It really is lovely to see you this morning. It feels like forever since we've been together. Our scripture lesson is found in the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Let's pray. Bless, O oh Lord, the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Marianne Williamson has written a poem entitled, Our Deepest fear, and it seems incredibly appropriate for today. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant? gorgeous, talented, fabulous. Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. You are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we're liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Could Jesus on this particular occasion, knowing his full humanity 
And I say that again, his full humanity and his full divinity. Could this new transition have made him anxious to begin to shine his light? Because the moment he does, it's going to change everything. From the Gospel of John's perspective, this story is not ultimately about a wedding. It's not about turning water into fabulous wine. It's not about Jesus being sassy to his mother. This story is about Jesus and his new role in God's plan. The fourth gospel merely takes these miraculous events and more appropriately calls them and designates them as signs. In other words, the miracle itself is not really what we're supposed to see. We're supposed to see it as a sign that points to Jesus with a deeper meaning that the word has now become flesh and lives among us and we're about to see God's glory. The setting for this sign happens to be a wedding. It lasts a week. And in three days, the wine is out. We don't know if they underestimated the folks that were showing up or if they were exceptionally thirsty. We only know that by three, the third day, it's gone. Now, if it were us, we'd send somebody to the grocery and buy a few of boxes of gallo. But in this time and place, with the wine running out, something bigger has happened. Wine isn't just the drink of choice at a wedding. It's a sign of harvest, of God's abundance, and the joy and the gladness and the hospitality meant to show God's blessing. When it runs out, it's not just embarrassing. It's a disaster. So, with this catastrophe, what are we to see in the story about God's plan and how God's going to intervene? Perhaps the catastrophe of this morning's scripture is ours as well. Isn't our deepest fear that we would somehow find ourselves in a moment in which the need was revealed and we might be able to do something about it? That it could be time, time to do something. And to do so will change not only the event, but us. You see, the timing of this is no small thing. Bill Gross is a really smart guy who started a company 20 years ago entitled Idea Labs, and he's been a startup of over 100 companies. Many of them have been successful and others have not. 
He loves these startup things, but wanted to unlock what it was that, that makes some successful and others not. And so he studied 100 companies of his and 100 others. Among them, YouTube, Uber, Pet.com, Instagram, Airbnb, LinkedIn, and Friendster, the big ones. He was looking for those few factors that would stand out as what made the particular company a success. And first he looked at funding. Was the startup well-funded with enough resources to see it through? And what he found was very interesting. Only 14% made it because of their funding. That's peanuts. He looked then at the business model and realized that YouTube, when it got started, had no business model. Many of those can come later as they evolve. And so only 24% could look at their business model in terms of the success. Was it that brilliant idea, the one that just stood out? And that only attributed to 28%. Well, what about the team of people that came together to make it all happen? There again, only 32%, just a third. The overwhelming thing that accounted for the difference between failure and success was timing. At 42%, he noted that many investors passed on Airbnb thinking that it was an odd, odd thing to invite someone to spend a night in your home in a spare room. But when did Airbnb start? In the middle of a recession, when it made sense to save money and to use the resources that you had. Same thing with Uber. Timing was it. Timing is an issue for Jesus. Is this the moment when he should enter into this ministry that God has called him into and he's not sure right now if this, this wedding, this wine is the spot. It hasn't been told to him that it was time. And so what we come up with is a reluctant Jesus. If you and I need to struggle with anything today, it's that God might be reluctant to step up. And what do we do with the fact that Jesus might hold back? Was it that he didn't want to be the cash and carry dispenser of things that folks just want? Or was it he just wasn't ready? that this occasion didn't seem right for a miracle of sorts. There's a plan, and everything must unfold as it should. Does Jesus know that Mary is asking him to do a miracle, and in doing so, he's going to start on the road to the cross? Could she have known that as his mother? Would she have done it if she did? 
His identity will go from private to public, from Messiah in waiting to Messiah on his way to the cross and the target of authorities. It's a good thing to ask why now. As harsh as his response is to his mother, it's a fair question. We underestimate, my friends, the power we have in the moment to bring ministry into life and to being by calling for the stewards to come and do what Jesus asks. You see, we look at life and see kids growing really, really fast. We see time going fast when they're little, but when it gets to us, it slows down and we don't change as much. We're not as mover and shaker as we once were. Dan Gilbert, who has studied time, says that we really underestimate the power of time. And yes, it goes fast with children, slower with us, but we underestimate regularly how much we will change in the next decade. You look back over the last 10 years and you see how much you've changed. But we think that because of today, we've arrived at who we are, who we're ever going to be. What if Mary had said, I'm just Jesus's mom. Glad to be his mom, proud. And had never said, son, it's time. Mary's role is significant. She is a right now in time person and her request to Jesus becomes one of compassion and as compassion, one of advocacy. She doesn't want this poor little bride and bridegroom to be embarrassed and mortified in front of all of their company. And so she wants Jesus to come as the one she loves and the one she's proud of to come and do his best. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for his divine reluctance because that reluctance is so human and it is so me. And it is so us. What does another's struggle have to do with me? Because if I have half a clue today, when I get involved, my life is going to change. And so is the community around them. Mary's advocacy marks the urgency of need among God's people and her advocacy along with Jesus' compassion meet to address the need that creates abundance and an awareness that grace is upon grace and blessing is upon blessing and God is made real. And the community begins to marvel at his generosity. I would dare to say in conjunction with the choir's piece this morning that if we look back at Rosa Parks on the day that she refused to be seated in the back of the bus, that it was her moment in time to know that her life at that point was to mark a difference. And that difference would spur Martin Luther King Jr. on to his greatness and his engagement in the ministry of Jesus Christ 
for the transformation of the world. At that response, King and his unforgettable signs and moments of memorable light and ministry would come alive just as John's Jesus would, offering powerful signs in very, very human situations. Never underestimate the power of an advocate to chart the change within others. Now, that's not the only transformation that takes place. The servants at the wedding are transformed in what I would call model faithful followers. Despite Jesus' apparent hesitation, they pay attention to Mary, who must mean business. Do whatever he tells you, and they pick up those jars, and they fill them with water, and they bring them back, and the water is changed into wine as they do. They carry it to the chief steward. Are they not models for Christians everywhere? We aren't called to do extraordinary things. We are asked to do those ordinary things, the drudgery stuff. And by doing it for Jesus and bringing it to him, we play an integral part in that transformation. Made for a miracle written by Mark, my, excuse me, Mike Slaughter says this, did you know that when we hope for the impossible, it involves more than praying for God's transcendent power? There are two components to every miracle, divine action and human responsibility. Each of us has been given specific talents and abilities, acting with God to perform divine work. I just want to highlight a little divine thing that happened in you and with you and among us. You remember back in November when we uh, did our stewardship and we had Keith and Natalie back with us one Sunday morning and they showed us those little water filters, $40 water filters, and we said, let's, let's highlight those. And we said, we're going to use half of our Christmas offering and buy water filters to send them somewhere in the world. Well, I called up Natalie and I said, let's, um, let's do that. We would like to put clean water in a small village. And she said, good, put you back in touch with the folks at Filters of Hope. Well, the guy who wrote me back said, oh, how wonderful of Stony Brook. We'll need about 30,000. That's a little bigger than the small village I was thinking. <laughs> and I, I explained, I explained, I said, oh, Natalie, I'm so sorry. I had no idea what size a village was, clearly. And I, we're thinking probably about 5,000. And, and because the other half of the offering is going to go to our commitment to McCurdy. And, and so, by golly, at Christmas, you gave. You gave $50,000. I had no idea. And who could have imagined? 
and who could dream? And yet, there was the invitation by the backs, the opportunity to bring the jugs and to have them blessed. And did not we see water turned into wine? Didn't we see God's compassion and advocacy and willingness to serve others come together in a faithful witness? In this experience, I see Jesus. Fully human, fully divine. I see God. I see grace upon grace. And I see Jesus in you. It was our opportunity to step up, and you did. Thanks be to God for the witness that you have. In November, if you want to go to Cuba and help that community learn how to use those filters, some folks are going to go. Thanks be to God for the power of the gospel. Amen. And amen.